Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. song um y'all got us working on a holiday yes mm, see the love the love we are laboring it's a labor of love on this labor day i have to come to my old echoey office just to get away from all the bumping sounds of newark of people playing their amazing music and cooking their delicious food the vegan so I can, refugee i know oh i mean i'm not even gonna lie i'm like i'm over it but i'm like i'm not i mean i put on like two pounds from the 10 that i lost and i'm like but why i'm eating grass Listen, I was, I almost was glad to tell you the story of the ribs that I had this weekend. <laughs> and then I remembered who I was talking to. And I love watching the food channel. You should just see me looking mouth agape, like, oh, it looks so good. <laughs> oh, but I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I mean, I do have way more energy. My skin is on fleek. My sister's like, what is going on with your skin? It looks amazing. I'm like, I know. But like gaining the two pounds was very discouraging because I'm like, why? I'm literally not eating anything. I mean, I'm eating, but you know, like I, I'm I, not, and I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's the carbs. I don't, I mean, well, I'm listen, not even carving out. You can weigh two pounds less in the morning and the end of the day, you'll like gain four pounds. Like the body just, just, you, maybe you just need to go to the bathroom and then like, it'll be down <laughs> like two, okay. two rounds. I feel like, I feel like weighing yourself is almost like Googling yourself. Yeah. Like if you're going to weigh yourself and you see the good news, you have to always be prepared for like the bad news too. Like for every good headline about yourself, you're going to read something terrible. And yeah. it's just like the gamble, the risk you take when you get on that scale. No, you're right though. Cause every day I'm like, come on, come on, come on scale. And I'm like, Tiffany, get off the scale. I mean, really, like for me, it's more about can I get in these pants? Can I get in those pants? This is a good day. <laughs> um, I certainly can't get into any pants because this Labor Day weekend, we um, we came back early, but we went to a friend's place who has this really nice, um, really nice home on a lake, like upstate, um, close to Syracuse. And they had been talking about going to this fair and I wasn't really paying attention because work was kind of all over the place. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be there. I'll be there, whatever. I had no idea it was like the New York State Fair. This thing mm. was massive. It was like three football fields wide. There wasn't just one Ferris wheel. There were three Ferris wheels. There were giraffes. I fed what? a giraffe. I fed a giraffe at the fair. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, you could. I felt really. <laughs> okay, I felt I stole some kids' joy just a little bit because 
I had an advantage being a tall person in a crowd of children. <laughs> in a crowd of children. <laughs> I can't. And you, you know, you spend your two dollars, you get a little bag of corn. I mean, a little bag of carrot sticks, and um, everyone else seemed to get the bag with like the big carrot sticks, the long ones, and I got the little like the the, the baby carrot sticks. And I was like, damn, I got to get really close to this giraffe now. Um, but yeah, the giraffe, he, he leaned over and their tongues are so long and really? yeah, they're so long and they're like black and ooh. anyway, it was awesome. Um, but I guess after I finished my bag of carrots, he got really full and he just like sat down and was not He's like, I'm good. <laughs> I know they were like, I hate that girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the best. We rode the rides and ate the funnel cake and got dinosaur barbecue and it it was just like a it was like a six hour eight hour day at the wow. fair which i haven't but done I've that heard, ever like country fairs and fairs they're really big like we were talking um about the was it montana minnesota minnesota i knew it was an m but like they have a huge fair and people are like it's an event i've always wanted to go to like you know like one of the fairs that you see on tv where it's like this huge event they had um butter sculptures they really? had a dare. There was like one whole, yeah. There was like a butter sculpture exhibit where they had the the butter. It was a scene all carved out of butter. Life size men. They were Wait. like dairy farmers. Yeah, I'm not kidding. And that was in the middle of a giant like expo for milk. So they had like all the ice cream. There was like a chocolate milk bar. Like they literally had chocolate wow. milk on tap. And then you can go from there to the real dairy barn, which was like all these prize winning cows. I know you think of like cows being like the stinky, like spotted cows you see on the side of the road or whatever. I've well, beautiful cows exist, and they were in this mm. barn. They were like gorgeous. They all had nice, like reddish brown coats, and they were just oh, like, these are the the supermodel cows. Yeah, the, <laughs> the uh, Victoria's Secret cows. Wow, they um, just brought those, these cows out like mm, you could never. Your cow could never. Yeah. <laughs> And they didn't even smell that bad. They were like being groomed and like all their, you know, their droppings were being carted away because. Wow. These cows are living a life. This, <laughs> these are those privileged cows that talk about cow lives matter. We're like, we know cow lives matter. This was the 1%. <laughs> you came to Brown Ambition to learn about uh, <laughs> pink bones, <laughs> bones and, and dairy cows. No, it was, it was a great time. I had a good time. And now I'm mm. so worn out. I don't have any plans for the actual Labor Day holiday. I don't know. Me either. Really, honestly, my plans are too. I guess I'll make myself a veggie burger because everybody else is going to be eating delicious charred meat that I had to buy from the supermarket. But in exchange, Superman did all the cleaning. I hate cleaning. Honestly, one of the things, when I finally get this house, I'll give you guys an update soon, but when I finally get this house, man, one of the first things I'm going to do is get myself a, um, not a housekeeper, but like a, a cleaning service at least twice a month. That's a nice treat for yourself. I am. Because honestly, I, I hate, I mean, I don't, the dishes are eh, but I, I hate, I'm not going to mop. It's not going to happen. I don't like sweeping. I hate doing the bathroom. Like I hate cleaning. So I'm always like switching off with Superman because he, he actually is like, he enjoys like cleaning. Well, I mean, it, it like, it's like therapeutic. Like I like cooking. Um, and although I don't like food shopping, I will exchange food shopping for cleaning. I'm like, well, I'll food shop. He's like, all right. Because he hates food shopping. So, you know, we're trying to make it work over here at the, um. The super's house. You feel like you're supposed to get you. You feel like by the time you get married, you're supposed to have the rhythm in place over who does what and like how the chores are divided. I don't really have a blueprint for this because my parents split when I was so young. 
But mm-hmm. like, and I, and being married now, like, I'm like, why are we bickering over the dishes? It's your turn. No, it's your turn. Like we're yeah. literally having, but I did it last week, but the trash is stinky, but I didn't put the, I didn't put, I didn't throw the food in the trash can. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> like, why can't you put your shoes on the shoe rack? Why do you, you know, like this ridiculous conversations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That's why I was like, uh-uh, I'm getting myself. Well, not that every two weeks is going to be, but at least it'll take care of like the heavy lifting. You know, like the day-to-day yeah. stuff. Like, I don't mind straightening up. But like, he always says, like, whenever it's my turn to clean, he's like, you don't clean, you straighten up. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> you, like, you put all the pile of mail in a little, yes. like a smaller pile. <laughs> yes. I, stra- I straighten everything up. Everything looks all. So, you can, so at first you're like, oh, it's neat down here. Then you realize, wait, it's still the same stuff. It's just well organized. And I'm like, really? Huh? Well, maybe you could show me how again. <laughs> As I watched, were you a messy? I feel like the big lie of adulthood, as well, is that you'll get better at stuff as you get older. I've always been a messy kid, and I'm a messy grown up. And I am, and I feel so bad. I swear, like, like my my dad is like like um, Superman, and I'm like my mom. Like, my dad used to always fuss because my mom had so much stuff, and it was everywhere. My dad was just secretly like throwing stuff away that she wouldn't even miss anyway until ten years later. She's like, "Have you seen my lipstick?" (laughs) <laughs> you know, 10 years later, he's like, whatever, I threw that away 10 years ago. You didn't even need it. And so that's him now. Because I'm like, where's my where's my book bag? Where's my this? this? He's like, Tiffany, I like threw those things away like three months ago. I'm like, you threw it away? That was my favorite peeling, skunky book bag. I was going to wash it. <laughs> and so I'm trying to do better. That's why I'm like, you know what? If I hire help, like, for example, laundry, I refuse. I hate doing laundry. Not going to do it. Not going to fold it. No, no, no. The most you can get me to do is put it away. So I've invested in, even though we have a washer dryer, when it's my turn to do the mounds of laundry that three people mysteriously produce, I take it right to the wash and fold and I pay my little $30. And You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I don't. I, t- Wait, I promise you. <laughs> oh, I remember you said you, you like, you had your grand plan to make your sister your personal assistant and she was going to do your... <laughs> A weekend. And she was like, and I never got my money back. Any change. If I would give her like 20 bucks or something and something cost five, I'm like, so Lisa, my change. She's like, what? I mean, but gas. I'm like, it was down the street. And then she wouldn't even bring me my stuff. I'm like, where's my dry cleaning? I got tired, so I'm home. So I'm going to try to bring it back tomorrow. I'm like, literally the dry cleaning is around the corner. So it, it, I could have just gone to get it. Uh, so she lasted all of a weekend. So yeah, no, no personal assistant. For me, like I have an admin for emails, but nobody to run errands. And honestly, it's fine because it was actually more stress than to do them myself. But yeah, no, I love my, um, they know me at the wash and fold. I'm like, she's like, is your turn again? I'm like, sure is. You're and right. Well, you have a, you have a daughter or stepdaughter and that, that adds a particular layer to the mix that we don't have to deal with here. Cause we still do our, like I do my laundry. He has mm-hmm. his hamper. I have my hamper. But when you have kids, you're right. My mom would literally spend weekends just doing laundry. It was a never-ending thing. It's not even so much her stuff. I find it's mostly, like, his stuff because he, like, what he does for a living is, like, physical, you know, like, flipping apartments and stuff. So it's mostly, and I'm usually home in my PJs all day working. So when you really look at the laundry and dissect, like, it's mostly his um, stuff. And like I said, since he does most of the cleaning, I'm like, okay, I'll take care of the laundry. And and for the, he's always like, isn't that a waste of money? I'm like, uh... For the three hours I didn't have to do laundry, you know what? Thirty dollars I'm willing to pay, and I'm I might I might do that maybe twice a month. Um, so it's not to me the price is worth it. Like sixty bucks yeah. a month to not have to like, and they fold so well. Like when we, like I just picked it up today, I was like, thanks, Sylvia. 
how do we get it all the same size in the little bag? It's yes, magical. It's, um, magical. And then Sylvia knows that there's three of them. I don't even know half. I don't, like, I've never told her, like, I've got a husband and a, and a daughter. And so, but everything, she separates all of our things. So it's so great. So like her bag, like I give Supergirl her bag. I put it in her room so she knows to put her own things away. And so typically I'll put away my things and Superman's things. And if I'm feeling really lazy, I'll put away my things. <laughs> but it's just, it's magical. When I looked at the bag today, I'm like, look at these perfectly rectangular shaped bags. Ooh. But yeah, so yeah, I'm not the, um, I, I realize I'm never going to be super Susie homemaker, although I do cook and I enjoy cooking. Um, but other than that, that's the only thing that I do. That's so like kind of- me, you enjoy making a mess, but not because <laughs> we all know what cooking really is. Exactly. It's a mess making. And then I'm like, why should I have to wash the dishes? I made the food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my life. Poor Superman. <laughs> so are, you guys have a barbecue today? Yeah, a little mini barbecue. He's that's like, cute. I mean, honestly, it's just his excuse to feed the neighborhood kids that don't always get to eat. Like. Like all the stuff that I bought, I'm like, this is all kid stuff. Because he's like, babe, can you get juice boxes? Can you get this? Can you get that? I'm like, who are we feeding? Because these adults out here have food. And so he really likes making sure, like, the kids in the neighborhood. I told you, he's the he's the black Mr. Rogers. Aww. I, I know. was just Every thinking time... of analogy. I was like, Willy Wonka? What are we going to No, with Mr. Rogers. Every time we walk, <laughs> like, if I walk with him or he walks me to the car or whatever, everyone, hey, Superman. Hey, Superman. How you doing? Hey, Superman. Superman. Like, the kids, everyone. And I'm like, meanwhile, no one's like, hey, hey, Superwoman, or hey, hey, you know, everybody's like, yeah, and that, and that person with you. <laughs> Come like, on. I'm not, well, well, you know what, I'm not, I'm friendly, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not really one to say hi to strangers, you know, so, yeah. but he's, you know, he goes out of his way to be extra engaging, and so, where I'm like, hey, I mean, if you're in my vicinity, you know, I'm definitely going to be polite, but I'm not, I don't know, as much as, like, I talk for, as a, for a living, once I'm like in my own private space, I'm actually on kind of like the quieter, shyer side. That's okay. Yeah. Introvert, extrovert. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to this week. It's going to be a, wait, how many? Monday, Tuesday, three-day week for me because my, my oh. mom my mama's getting married on Friday. Ow. Miss Lori Jane. Um, yeah, her, her, her wedding. She's marrying, my mom's marrying her high school sweetheart. It's all very romantic. So they met in high school in Wisconsin, on Alaska, Wisconsin, and they dated all through high school. And then he was off in the military and he, he was going to propose to her. Or he did propose to her and she broke his little heart and said no. This was like 1978, I want to say. And then she moved from Wisconsin to Atlanta with um, her brothers. Atlanta, for some reason, people were like moving there. And uh, she never saw him again until she moved back to uh, Wisconsin to retire a few years ago and they just rekindled their relationship and now they're getting married and it's all going to be very cool and so that I have to look forward to. Aww. Yeah. Look at your mama. I told you, your mom needs to teach lessons on how to, um, how to get a man to ask. Yeah, she's, uh, she's like, I, I, I tease her and I'm like, okay, J-Lo. Yeah, she's like, it ain't her first rodeo. With all due respect, it ain't her first rodeo. It's not even even my first rodeo with her, so we'll see. Some women are like, have been like with the same dude for like 12 years and they're like, still waiting. (laughs) You know, your mom's like, "Mm, I know how to get them to ask. For real, I really feel like there are some women who, I don't know what it is, that have a knack for like men wanting to like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what 
it is. I honestly wait. What <laughs> women who no, have me- a knack for men wanting to marry them? Yeah, but like, cause it's a like, what is? I wonder, like, what is it? Cause I'm not a man, so when a man is like, you know what, this is the woman I want to marry. There's like a switch, and I find that there are some women who, like, I, I have a number of friends who they might not have married them all, but have been asked numerous times, you know. And then I have other friends who, you know, been in long term relationships and and have never been asked, or you know what I mean. So I'm like, well, what is that? Like, what is that trait that makes a man say, I want to be with this one for the rest of my life, or at least try, you know? I have no idea. Her lasagna is really good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, it's just, it's really sweet because, you know, he wanted to marry her 40 years ago and he's- I know. We're finally Tell getting me. to do it. And she's just so like, it's a little weird to see your mom, you know, I had a stepdad and it was whatever. That was more normal. But now she's just like really like giddy and giggly and it's all the first time Aww. again and- She's really, you know, she's planning all the details. It's going to be like a small, you know, like 50 people wedding, but they're getting married on this really pretty, like, um, like a bluff and on a mountain in the area. Oh, pretty. And they're, they're actually having their reception, the same place where they had their high school prom. Oh, that is awesome. So has he ever been married before? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's divorced and she was recently, she was divorced a couple of years ago. So they're both, um, he was divorced a little bit longer. I'm putting all their business out there. But yeah, they both had prior marriages. They both have had okay. children. Um, and it's, So this is good. This is like just them. This is literally it's just them. None of the baggage that you get when you marry with young kids. Yeah. Um, and also for me too, I'm like, yeah, cool, Greg. Nice. Just hang out with mom. That's nice. You know, it, <laughs> I don't feel any like pressure to have a relationship or like, you know what I mean? When you're a kid and like your yes. mom, you know, if you, yeah, if you, under, I mean, you have a stepdaughter, but like if you were also like the the child of a parent who remarried when you're younger, you know how it's like, you know, there's all that, that, um, that tension in the background of like the yeah. anxiety of like, are they going to get along and are they going to have a relationship? Yeah. And so there's none of that pressure, which I think is making everything a lot easier. Yeah. I was going to say, cause it's, it's dope. Cause it's like, you know, it's really like, it's just us. We don't have to, you know, she doesn't have to take into consideration. Like, I mean, it was, there was, we had a rough patch, like in our household with Supergirl adjusting, you know, everything was awesome until like we got engaged. And she was like, wait, she's staying? I was like, wait, I thought you liked me. She's like, yeah, but like not as like a permanent member. <laughs> <laughs> she literally said, I thought you were going to be like here today, gone tomorrow. I was like, what? Oh, kids are hurtful. <laughs> I know. No, I've been, they, I've been wondering how things are going because you did say there was uh, a the, little yeah, that rough draft. Honestly, I was like, it's, I don't know what happened or what shifted, but um, she's been like, I would say we are 85% back. Cause at, at one point, you know, that was like my little buddy. We hung out. Like we both have similar interests in Staples and Barnes and Nobles and we were going to museums together. So we hung out, you know, almost more than me and her father <laughs> because we had so much, so much in common. Um, and so everything was great. And then we got engaged and she took it not so great. Um, because I guess she was still trying to figure out, well, where does that put me? Cause in her mind, you know, a wife is bigger than a daughter. That's what she had convinced herself, you know? Mm. Um, and so, you know, we really tried really hard, like between myself, um, her father and her mom, cause we have a great relationship, the three of us to really reassure her that like, nothing's going to change. Like it's the same, but it, 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 it you know, it was a year and then we got married and then things really took a dip down. I mean, she barely spoke to me. Like, good morning. And I would be like, okay. And then it became the, like, Tiffany's so mean. And her mom and her dad being like, well, that's what I love is that they, they've got great communication with her. Like, well, how was she mean? I mean, she said good morning, 
And I didn't say good morning. And then she said good morning again. I heard her. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? So it was like really grasping for straws. Or like I remember somebody had given her something and she didn't say thank you. And I said, Alyssa, what do you say? And then she told her mom, Tiffany told me I was going to say thank you. I was just thinking about it. I was like, wait, how does that mean? Like, because honestly, I've, I've taught long enough. Like, I, you know, I don't, I'm good at like, even if, if I'm frustrated at, um, like not letting it show in my tone. I mean, literally, I, I taught three and four-year-olds, so there's nobody more frustrating on this planet than three and four-year-olds. But you learn how to, you know, to still be patient and still be kind despite that. So I'm I'm pretty good with that. And like her mom, that's one thing I have to say I'm really grateful because her mom never once was like, Tiffany, what are you doing to my daughter? You know, yeah. never. It's, you know, so that's, that's what helped a lot. And I don't know, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what the shift was. I don't know if... Um, she finally realized post-marriage, it's been like, what, three months now, almost three months, that like nothing has changed because in the last couple of weeks, like it's been like she'll come in, hey, Tiffany, and I'm like, who, me? Hi. (laughs) And like the other day I was going to uh, Barnes & Noble's and I always ask her because I know she likes it, but she would say no, even though I know she loves Barnes & Noble's. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to Barnes & Noble's, I'll see you later. She's like, wait, I want to go. And I looked like, with me? Uh, okay. <laughs> and so she's back to like talking my head, my ear off, which is awesome. Cause like 10 year olds are, you know, they have this whole drama at school that, you know, she has to explain every single piece of it. And I'm like, wow, it's like, like almost like old times. So like I said, I'm, I'm not sure what the um, shift was, but I'm really happy about it because it's nice to have my, it's nice to have my friend back, you know? I think the key with young kids and like preteens is like, just leave them go, like leave them be and they'll come back around. Or they'll start slitting their wrists and like get tattoos and stuff. They can go either way. (laughs) I was worried. I was like, dang, I already heard teenage years are hard, especially for girls. I was like, I wanted at least a few years of like goodness before it turns dark. (laughs) Because I heard by the time 12 and 13 and 14 roll around, they're like, child, I don't care how great um, she is. Those teenage years are something else. So I'm like, well, I want at least like a couple of years to like really develop a strong relationship with her, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, good but it's good luck. <laughs> I know. Ooh, child. <sighs> well, it's that time to break or boost, break or boost, boost or break. What you gonna do? Boost or break? <laughs> I'm going to boost. That was okay. actually really good. Um, I'm going to boost. I read a really cool story. So we all know, remember Phil Ando Castile, um, the gentleman who was shot um, while selling CDs. At, what was it? A gas station or somewhere? Anyway, he was shot by shot and killed by a police officer back a little over a year ago, July 2016. And um, he worked at a school at the time. He worked in the school cafeteria, right? And after his death, people came out saying that. When he worked at the school, he would always make sure the kids, you know, when you forget your lunch money, like you have to get the crappy, you know, forget your lunch money sandwich or whatever. And he would make sure that the kids who forgot their money still got to eat. And apparently in the wake of his death, um, now that it's been a year, there's been a new fund created um, that wants to carry on that legacy by paying for student lunches, which he would, you know, he'd dip into his own pocket sometimes to make sure that kids got fed. Um, so this is happening. He was, oh, he was a school nutrition services supervisor, um, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and the fund is called Philando Feeds the Children. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's just really sweet. I think that's just a, you know, you don't really hear, 
I don't know, you know, you hear about memorial funds and stuff, but I think that this is in terms of like carrying on the legacy of who this person was. Yeah. And, and make like actually putting like making people, making sure that people know he's not just a martyr. He wasn't just a black man killed, you know, in a spate of police violence, but he was a man who had like unique skills and was really special and, you know, would, would spend his own money to make sure that kids were fed. Um, it's just really sweet and it's nice. So yeah, that is really sweet and nice. Honestly, I'm boosting that. And I, I'm, I wonder if they have a, I'll see if they have a website so far. Yeah. They've raised, they set, let's see. Oh yeah. They've so, so they set a goal of uh, fundraising $5,000 and they've already raised over $16,000. So I'm going to um, donate. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll check out the link and make sure um, people can, I'll, I'll post it on the, the Brown Ambition podcast website, which is brownambitionpodcast.com. No, I think I, that honestly, I would love to donate because I love the babies and I know how that used to be like, like, well, I, I like we never bought lunch at school. My mom would always send us to school with lunch because we didn't have, you know, a ton of money to, to buy lunch at school. But I do remember like, you know, friends who were like didn't have or just even when I talked when I was a school teacher, kids that thankfully um, our kids, they would send lunch to us like the board or whoever. And so the kids got breakfast and lunch and snack because a lot of the kids otherwise wouldn't be able to eat. And then we used to get so much excess. I would send it even home with the parents. Like I would pack up certain parents I knew that were kind of struggling. And I remember, I don't know if it was the board or who came in. They saw me do that once. They're like, Oh, you're not allowed to give away the food. It's a, it's a liability. You know, that, you know, if they if they get sick at home, they could come and sue and da, da, da. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. So for 10 years, I packed up the lunch and said, are you crazy? I'm not throwing away gallons of milk and food. like we and we never got sued. I mean, I guess I get it, but there's no way because they wanted you to throw out the excess food for the day and then pour bleach on it. I'm like, what kind of pour bleach on it? So that way people wouldn't go and eat it and then sue you. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but I never did that. We always gave it away because I'm like, what? I mean, I guess I got it in theory, but I'm like, mm, so no. So we're so somebody of the parents. I remember that's what was so sad about closing the center because the center was like the the daycare center was really the center of this community. It was at the bottom of this project building, this 13 story high project building where every type of age lived there. People were struggling with drug addiction and poverty, and but the center was like this bright this bright light. The kids were awesome and beautiful and smart. And the food that we got, we got such extra that we used to give it to the people in the building too. And so people thought that I was actually, that I was like the leader of a food program <laughs> because they didn't know because I would every day knew every day. And there were certain people, certain elderly people that would like really look forward to the, they'd be like, Oh, that's the food program lady. I'm like, Oh no, no, I'm just a teacher in there. They're like, yeah, okay. But do you have the milk today? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, we but, talked yeah. about this before. Like kids can actually get into debt. Like there's such thing as school lunch debt where like, if you, you know, you, you, if you don't have money for lunch and your parents don't have money to actually send you to food, send you to school with anything, you know, you're still, I think you're still have to get something, but they can actually chart, like put on your account, you know, how much in debt you are. And at the beginning of the school year, like ask your parents for all those fees. So the Philando fund, like is part of just like this growing movement to pay off children's school lunch debt. And mm -hmm. I just, I just went, I just double checked their website. They've actually raised over $55,000 now. Awesome. And, and the fundraiser put up a message saying that with $50,000, they should be able to pay off all the lunch debt for children in Philando Castile's school district, which is pretty freaking awesome. I love awesome. that. It but is. It's also pretty freaking sad that there's such thing as school lunch debt. But 
That is the world. Well, I'm not going to be so sunshiny. I'm going to break. Ooh, and a dark, a dark cloud has come over. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not really crazy. It's just um, so I'm still, you know, looking for a house. I know it's crazy, but I'm going to break on bad service because as I've been looking, it has taught me a lot, especially like um, dealing with um, all the people that are involved when you're buying a house, mortgage people, lawyer, realtors, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, because, you know, this uh, home buying is really like a service business um, because you yourself don't own the home. You know, you're you're instead creating or uh, making the transaction possible for the two parties that want to connect, connect and exchange a property for money. And so I have had really amazing service providers in this process. Like my mortgage guy, David, is amazing. I mean, like. One, I just love, because if I get on the phone with Dave and ask him a question, he's really an educator. So, like, I, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of every mortgage, but he sits down and takes the time and explains, like, well, why I think this choice is best and why I think this choice is best. And so David's been amazing. Um, I've definitely had some realtors that have been great. Um, like, one realtor, she was pretty good, but she was eight months pregnant. So after, like, you know, a month, I was like, girl, you need to sit down. Like, you can't keep coming up and down these stairs. And then I definitely had some realtors that weren't so great. Like I had one, although she was really nice, she wasn't timely. So I would ask her like, hey, is this property available? And it would take her two days to get back to me. By then it was sold because Newark is hot right now. And um, but just most recently I had a real I hope she doesn't listen. If she does, I don't even care. Um, I had a realtor um, and I'm like, what is happening? Because and I'm not certain if she's just not being truthful or maybe she's just not effective. She's younger, like in her, I would say, late 20s, early 30s. Um, so you know, I've been, she's been sending me properties and I've been expressing interest, but nothing's been happening. So I sent her one property in particular and I said, Hey, I want to see this property. I called the guy. It, it was for sale by owner and we were texting back and forth and he said, yes, the property's still available. So I called her and said, Hey, the property's available. Make, you know, can you make an appointment? So two days later, I'm hitting her up like, Hey, you know, any, any movement on this property? And she's like, Oh, I called him, but he didn't, he didn't respond. And I said, well, sometimes with him, it's best to text. So I saw her again a day later and she was like, oh, I texted him and he didn't respond. Little did she know that literally while I was waiting for her, cause she was late for our meeting, while I was waiting for her, I texted him and I said, hey, it's me again, property still available. He said, yep. He said, I said, what do you need for me to come see it? He just said proof of income. So I sent him a bank statement, like literally standing on the corner waiting for her. And he said, you want to see it now? And I'm like, so is she just not being truthful? Because you just told me that, like, I can't get in contact with him. It's been a week. I've been calling, texting. And every time I've texted and called him, he's been super responsive. Um, and so I was like, well, I couldn't obviously see it then. And so I said, so I, I scheduled it for the next morning. So I just went with me and Superman went by ourselves. We looked at it. We decided we didn't like it. And then just most recently, there's a property she'd sent me. And I said, I drove by. I said, oh, it's nice. I'd like to see it. And she was just like, oh, I can't figure out who owns it. We can't, because it was um, foreclosed. We can't figure out. I've been calling the banks and this and that. And, you know, and I was just like, okay. Um, you know, even if it's sight unseen, because it's such a great deal, I, I would even be um, willing to possibly purchase this without seeing the inside because of the location and the price. Cash. And so, you know, it's been two weeks of like, oh, I still can't figure out. Um, and then maybe two, a few days ago, I saw that it was on an auction site. And I said, hey, I see it on this auction site. Did you know that it was here? And she was like, oh, no. And I'm like, well, then how do we, 
How do we bid? And she's like, I'll get back to you. So by now I'm just frustrated. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. So I called a friend of mine, Mark, who's one of my best friends. And I said, Mark, I need a good realtor because I just can't. And so he's like, well, my realtor is a beast. I was like, yeah, people, everybody said that. He's like, no, no, no. She is a beast. Like if I text her three o'clock in the morning, she texts me back. I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, connect me with her. So that day I text her. She said, can I call you back in 10 minutes? We got on the phone and within 30 minutes of me speaking to her, I was inside of that house and had already put a bid in on the auction. I couldn't believe it. She was phenomenal. And I was like, cause I told her, I was like, oh, we can't get in the house. She's like, who said, you know what? She called, she called, she called around. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to drive there. And the, the owner, I didn't realize this, but you know, when these houses are foreclosed, the bank information is like stapled to the door. And she was able to reach out to them, able to get the code. There's a lockbox on the house, get the code. She said, I'm here. Come on down. The house is only a few minutes from my house now. So Superman and I drove by. We were able to walk through the house. It's gorgeous. We wanted to get it. She was like, the other woman, actually, the, 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 the old realtor had told me that, like, if you put a bid in, every time you put a bid, it's $250. So I suggest you don't bid. It's going to go back to the, to the bank because these bidding sites are not real. And it's going to go back to the bank. And then you could buy it when the bank gets it back, but it's $250 every time you bid. And I was like, really? Because I can read. And I didn't see that on the site, but maybe I'm missing something. So I asked my the, the new realtor, Amina, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to use this site because I heard it's $250. She's like, who told you that? It's not on the site. And then she called them and they were like, no. And since then, I've been like, because, you know, when you bid, everybody else is bidding. So you're trying to outbid each other. I've bid like eight times, no charges. And so I'm like, what is happening? So either you're untruthful or you're just incompetent. I don't, I, either way, I'm like so over it. But I'm just really grateful because all of these realtors that I've gone through, um, it's led me to Amina, who is a beast. This is a woman who has three jobs. She owns this brokerage realtor, like this firm with her family. She works, um, um, well, I won't say, but she she has two other jobs. And she's got five kids, girls, all under the age of seven. And meanwhile, she looks 12 years old. You're like, I mean, she's like 12 years old and like a hundred pounds soaking wet, but met me out there. And she was like, honestly, I've learned to be very efficient because I like to spend time with my daughters and my family. And so, you know, I don't waste any time. And so I sent her a list of foreclosure properties that I was interested in looking at. I had sent this list to the other girl a while ago because the other girl had sent me, um, maybe like a link to like 200 foreclosure properties. She's like, I'll go through them, but she was dragging her feet. So I went through them all got it down to 20, and then highlighted the six I like best. I hadn't heard nothing back from the other girl. Amina, day two of our interaction, she said, I drove by all the properties on the list that you sent me. Here are my favorites. And I created a spreadsheet of when they're going to be auctioned off and when we can hit the auction. This is day two. Day one, we're bidding on a house and inside this property. Day two, she's creating spreadsheets. I could cry with relief. And so it's almost like a boost break, a break from people who do not deliver. I don't think I even asked for that much, truthfully. I like to, I personally, that when I'm working with someone, I like to meet you 70%. All I need is 30 from you. Like I, I'm a doer, you know? So if I'm hiring for something like I, you know, and I'm also pretty um, anal about the way I like things done. So I like to do a lot of the work. And I told her that like, I'm going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. I just need you to do the stuff that I can't legally do. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a, um, a realtor. And so she has, I mean, she doesn't even realize she's fired. But Amina, I'm like, thank you, girl. I don't, I'm pretty sure Amina doesn't listen. But I'm like, girl, you have restored my faith in realtors. You are amazing. I have never seen 
yo, Amina hustles harder than me. And I'm like, that doesn't really happen when I work with certain people that like, usually they're like, dang, Tiffany, leave me with something to do. And I'm like, so yeah. So for those of you who are like, you know, in service businesses, like, like, please deliver at the very least, the bare minimum. I don't even know what this other girl was thinking. Like I said, I don't know if she was just being untruthful or maybe she was trying and she just wasn't effective. I don't know which is worse, you know, being ineffective or being untruthful. But either way, you gone, girl. Gone! You know, I wish you luck, but not with me. I mean, hey, girl, we besties now. <laughs> so that is my brown boost break. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, that's kind of a good segue for the questions that we have oh. for today. Okay. Because we have a question I can really identify with this um, young lady. So question from Ashley. She's 34 years old and she has a question about how do you decide when it makes sense to relocate when you're doing okay in a certain area already? So here's her situation. Ashley says, my fiance and I are both 34 years old and we currently live in Virginia Beach. We've lived here for less than six years. He has a good job and I'm doing decently well in my career. We're both working to pay off debt and to eventually invest in residential real estate. We own our primary residence right now. But the issue is that we don't really love the area so much. We enjoy being close to the beach and the cost of living is very reasonable, but we don't have a lot of close friends. The area is politically conservative and it doesn't offer the best job opportunities in my field. We're considering relocating to the D.C. metro area. We both have close friends and family there. It's more liberal. There are better job opportunities, and there's a great arts and culture um, scene. The downside is the traffic and the high cost of living, and, of course, the expense of buying a home there, which they'd like to invest in real estate. So what is your advice on making this decision? Does it make sense to leave or stay where we are comfortable and living beneath our means? Well, I wonder, is there a way to rent out where you live now? You know, so that way it can help with your, if you decide to move. Yeah, that would be, a, that'd be like the first logical step. Like if you want extra income to go toward your life in Washington, um, yeah, renting out the house that you live in seems like a smart way to go. Then you become a landlord. Then it's like, that's an extra layer. That's the kind of thing that always sounds to me really like it makes perfect sense on paper. Like I'll just buy something and then I'll rent it out and I'll get income from that. But like what actually goes into that and, and, and how complex can that be to be a, a landlord? landlord? Yeah. Well, well, I've been a landlord and it could be as simple as honestly, if you've got a great tenant, like I had an awesome tenant when I rented out my condo, she used to literally write me out her checks for the year. We would meet once a year and she would write me all the checks like, you know, January 1st, February 2nd, you know, 1st. And then, um, if anything broke in the house, she would get like two quotes 
and then paid for it and then sent me out a replacement check minus what she paid. So she was amazing, although she was young. So she used to have like, I don't know, the neighbors would complain. She was like in her like mid twenties, early twenties. I guess, I don't know that she would have wild parties, but she definitely was like, you know, had friends over. And so it sucked because the neighbors chased her away, even though she was an awesome, um, cause they'd always complain like, you always have too many friends over. Um, so it could be that. And it was like next to, I didn't, you know, there was no, I didn't have to do anything, but then you can also get like the nightmare tenant that's not taking care of your things. Um, but then you can also think about maybe getting a, um, uh, what are those property managers? I mean, yeah, typically those, those, they charge like, like my uncle runs that business where he manages rental properties and does, does all like the, the complicated stuff, repairs, turning over the apartments, like, and, um, I think they charge like 5% of the rent or something like that. And then my, one of my colleagues also has a place and he just rents a, like he, it's in Long Island. He lives in Manhattan and he just has his company and they do everything and it's very easy for him. So I, and, and if you, I mean, you just want to make sure obviously that what you're, what you're being charged by them is not eating up all of the, the income um, that you're making. But to me, it sounds like I, to me, I rather live someplace where I'm going to be happy you know, because I mean, I get it like living below your means. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't get there. Meaning that like, you can be creative with your finances living in a, in a, maybe right outside DC. Like for example, like I live right outside New Jersey, right outside, um, New York, but I still enjoy a lot of the benefits of New York at a lower, way lower cost, you know? And who's to say you have to get like a, you know, a brand new home. Maybe like they're like these auction houses are, are, and then I'll give more feedback, you know, next week about how it went, but they're popping up and they're becoming more and more legitimate. Like banks are really not wanting to go through the process of selling a house. So they give it to the auction house and the auction house gets a percentage. And so you're able to find these homes, then do a drive by, see if you like them. And then you put a bid in and, and possibly pay way less than what the house is actually worth. So you can be creative about your new living um, digs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'd stay someplace where I was unhappy just for the savings because I feel like savings can be found other places in other ways. Yeah. It's a give and take. I mean, I have yet to find a place that has every single thing. It's affordable and it has a great quality of life and has a great scene. And like there's amenities and, you know, you're close to activities and stuff. I mean, but if, if I, I mean, you're speaking to two people who live outside of New York city. Um, so obviously we're on the bandwagon of like live where you have the best you know the life that you want even though it's not necessarily the most affordable location and then find creative ways to make it affordable like I live in Jersey City and I knew I had to move out of Manhattan or out of um, the the boroughs of Manhattan if I wanted to get the kind of apartment that I wanted with the amenities that I wanted without breaking my budget and I had to do it by moving to Jersey City and like actually a lot of things got a little bit better. My commute got a lot better. Mm. My my quality of life got a lot better. And I just had to give up that invisible wall that I think block people's blocks people off from wanting to live outside of Manhattan because it's not like, you know, officially New York City. Um, but I also get benefits like I don't have to pay the New York City income tax anymore, which mm. is great. So my paychecks got a little bit bigger and I'm a lot happier and the big secret is that my commute is only half an hour, which is like half of what it used to be. So at the end of the day, like it's your life. Like Tiffany said, you should live where you're happiest and you're living your best life, but just be prepared to give up 
some of the things for what you're gaining. So maybe exactly. like sitting in traffic and paying a higher mortgage, that kind of stuff. But I mean, if you're happy, don't let anybody else make you feel like you're making the bad choice um, because they wouldn't do something. Who cares yeah. what they wouldn't do? And it sounds like you and your husband are, are, are pretty savvy financially, meaning like that's not going to go away because you live in a more expensive city. You guys are going to figure out ways to live within your means no matter where you live, you know? Absolutely. I hear a choo-choo train. I know. I don't know where that, that's like this random train that never moves except for apparently when I want to tape. <laughs> <laughs> the train's a hater. Hey, hater. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah, I have one more. We can do one more question. This one's from Dominique. Um, she has a question about a car loan. And uh, I think a lot of people will probably rec- will understand where she's coming from. So her question is, what is the, be- the best way to get out of a bad car loan? My credit score is below 600, so refinancing is not an option for me. I've considered selling the vehicle, but I owe more on the loan than what the car is worth. I have a 2014 Toyota Camry. My current payoff amount, the amount, how much I would need to pay off the loan, it would be about $14,000, but the car is only worth $10,000. I don't have anyone to borrow money from to help me. And with my car note and insurance, I'm paying close to $540 a month. I purchased my first three cars in cash. This is going to be my first and last car note. What mm. can I do to get out of this car loan? Ouch. Ooh, you I, know, this is like perfect timing. Um, my sister, I got a lease. So she, she um, I don't know if you remember like earlier, if you listened to BA, uh, you know, the BA podcast, like earlier when we started, I was talking about my sister had made the transition from that big financial company that she hated. Mm-hmm. And then she transitioned. She really wanted to be a stylist and transitioned into working for a, um, like, uh, retail companies as buy as a buyer. Um, you know, she really wants to be a buyer. That's what she's doing now. So she like is enjoying that now. Um, but as a result, it was a huge pay cut, like huge, you know? Um, and so it, it took a toll on her trying to figure out her finances and she needed a car. So she'd never, she'd always bought her cars in cash. Um, you know, like, I don't know, a few years old, but she, had to get to work. She needed something reliable because she works an hour away from where she lives. So she ended up going for a lease. But because she works so far, the lease, she's already in two years, basically like used up all her miles. So we've been going back and forth the last couple of weeks. I've been trying to like help her figure out. So what do I do now? Basically like if, cause if she, if she tries to turn in the car, she's going to owe so much money. So she decided that she's going to buy the car, but then it was like, okay, who to buy from. So this is this, this is what she's learned. And I'm going to share it with you listener that, so I told her, you know, one, go to a, a credit union to see, um, the car company itself, you know, was obviously wanted to lend her. And then the bank that she already banks at her credit score is not terrible, but it's not great. It's like in the, the low to mid 600. So higher than yours, but not the greatest. So, but she got, I, I told her, you know, ask them what, you know, what their um, interest rates would look like and what her payment would look like, but get very clear what it would look like at her interest rate and at her um, credit score. Because, you know, they're going to give you like the best, like, oh, you know, it's only 2% or whatever it is. And she was like, yeah, but like what, what credit score do you have to have in order to get 2%? That's really important. So she figured out for herself, I think she was able to get an interest rate of 3.2%. She decided to go with a credit union after like going back and forth. Um, her personal bank, I think they wanted like 3.7 and the, the car company wanted like, um, 
they they said they could get it down to 3.9. So the credit union was um, better. Um, even though she wasn't a member of the credit union, um, she's like, yeah, but I'm not a member of any credit unions. I said, yeah, but a lot of credit unions, you can literally join that day and apply that day. So she called around and she found one, I think Alliance or something, where they allowed that, where she could join and apply right away. Um, so what I would suggest, it might be actually, I mean, I know it sucks, but you might have to wait a couple months to get your credit score up in order to then do your research about. So I would start to do the research now, like what is the bare minimum credit score that I have to have in order to be able to refinance out of this car um, with like a credit union or your the bank, your, your bank that you have like all of your like, you know, banking stuff with because you have a relationship there and work toward that credit score. It might not take as long as you think. It might take just a couple of months and then think about refinancing. So that way you pay a lower um, interest rate or your, your, your interest rate will be lower than your, your monthly payment will be lower. Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, I wonder if she's done any research and to see what's available to her because uh, fortunately slash unfortunately, um, lenders, there are lenders specifically who who will cater to the subprime, meaning bad credit market, and will extend auto loans to people even if they have bad credit. You just have to be really careful because obviously those loans have high interest rates. Um, so if you're looking to to refinance, maybe at least do what Tiffany says and like start shopping around, look for credit unions, look at local banks. Um, there's some online lenders um, that also can offer some some access to credit for people who may not have the greatest credit score. Um, we just did a guide on on auto loans for people who have bad credit, which has like really good information there that I can link to, and I'll send you a link to Dominique to that guide um, to get started. Um, but th- I think the key issue for her is that. She is $4,000 in the red, like even mm. if she sells the car. I mean, that's another option too. You could just cut your losses, sell the car, and then you have $4,000 and then just set yourself a goal to pay that off in a year and get debt free. Um, that's honestly the hard, not great. I mean, that's the hard, ugh, I don't want to hear that advice, advice. Yeah. Because it's on it. I mean, $4,000 is, I don't know what your situation is, but if you, I feel like if you just set a goal to pay that off in a year, get some side income, you know, scrape by, do whatever you can to pay that off, get debt free. Then you learn your lesson. You can start fresh. Yeah, no, I think that that, and and sometimes you have to take the L, you know what I mean? Like, don't you just hate that? Sometimes you're like, as an adult, you realize, Oh, there, there is no win loss. It's just loss or bigger loss. (laughs) And sometimes that's how it like, you have to just ask yourself, well, where, where can I bleed less basically? And then you just, you take the smallest L that you can, but then you move forward and you, you know, you, you make different financial choices moving forward. And how you avoid that and going forward, I mean, it's, you paid your first three cars in cash. That's one way to avoid it. But if you're, we, we talk about the four twenty ten rule when it comes to car buying. And I love this rule because I think it establishes from the get-go a really smart way to buy a car so that you're not immediately kind of catching yourself in a situation where you're going to end up with a car that's worth um, less than what you owe on a loan. And the, the 20 part of the 410-20 rule is to put down at least 20% um, of a down payment. And this is to just get ahead of the problem with cars, which is that as soon as you drive off the lot, they lose like 15% of their value. And after a year, it's even more of their value. It's, it depreciates. Um, so if you put down that much, at least you know you're financing the true value of the car you know, a year from now. And that'll kind of prevent you know, owing more than what the car is worth. And the, the, 10, per, the 10 part of the four twenty ten rule is to make sure that your transportation costs, the cost of owning that car is going to be less than 10% of your gross income 
you know, for a year or for a month, um, which is one way to, de- to tell whether or not, you know, you're going to have payments that you can actually afford. And the four part is to make sure that you don't um, take out a loan with a term longer than four years. You see now some some lenders will give loan terms for auto car, for cars over 80 months, like mm. 76 months, like 84 months. It's crazy. Um, and people will sign up for them because they, they see, oh, well, that's a great way to get a lower monthly payment. Um, but when you actually look at how much you're paying in interest over how many years is 84 months? Like what is that? I'm really bad at month right now. Six, seven years, eight years, eight years, I think. I don't know. Um, a long, long freaking time. Um, you're literally just handing money to the lender at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And you're almost going to certainly be paying more than the actual value of the car that you're purchasing. Yeah, well, for sure. That's what interest is all about. I'm really, really embarrassed that I don't know what 84 divided by 12 is. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty- I'm- I'm not. Um, I'm not a mather. It's seven. I knew that. Seven years. Sheesh. Once upon a time, I won my multiplication uh, competition in the third grade. Once upon a time. That Once was many upon years a time, ago. not long ago. <laughs> but good luck, Dominique. And uh, yeah, that that's a. Uh, it's a rough. It's a rough situation, and it's it's hard because so many, you know, people have been worried that like bad auto loans are going to be the new housing crisis because mm. so many. So many, um, so many banks are giving these crazy big, huge loans to people that they can't afford. And you hear the same kind of thing, like Santander, which was is a big um, uh, bank in the subprime auto lending space, was found to like be underwriting these, like giving these loans to people without verifying their income, the same way that people were giving people houses without or mortgages without, you know, verifying their income. And it's kind of it's a little bit troubling. So I know she's not alone. Well, now it's time to say almost goodbye to all our BA family, B-W-R-O-W-N ambition. Oh, I like that. Meanwhile, I should have said that for the end because we still have to do wins. <laughs> what even does B-W-R begin to spell? I mean, B-R-O. Oh, man. I saw that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so close. You can't math. I can't spell. Oh, yeah. Lord. Everyone's lost their faith in us. <laughs> oh, so what you gonna win? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Um, go ahead, you can go first with your win. Um, I'm gonna do an advance win. Actually, I'm really dreading this week so much. I don't think I have any positive energy to leave on in a good note with. Like a three day work week sounds amazing, but I know I'm gonna have to work today to get ahead of the week, and I'm gonna have to probably work like before my mom's wedding to make sure that the that everything happens in a three-day week that needs to happen in a five-day week i'm a little scared mm-hmm. do you know i had a dream this weekend i i know when people say i had a dream everyone rolls their eyes but anyway i had a dream <laughs> if you're not mlk jr if you have if you say you have a dream it's really annoying i literally had a dream and it was an email exchange like it wasn't a scary email exchange it was literally just like me sending a letter to one of my writer or email to one of my writers saying oh did you get the outline for this story that's great and like a back and forth what does that say about me yeah so i always do that like literally i will dream that just like i'm working it just says that we're overworked overworked uh, i don't know. i maybe i'm just thinking about work too much before i go to bed um 
So I guess my win is just going to be a cry for help to Lord, get me through this week. This is true. My, well, you know what? This is kind of random. My win is out. I want to shout out Jazz uh, Daniel. He is, for, for those of you who've been following me, you know that I have been working on a children's book, like intermittently, not like, you know, really putting in the work, but just, I had this idea and I have this character that I really want to put out there and finding an illustrator was not easy. So my win this week is that I found an amazing brown man in the illustrator who has drawn the most delicious, cute little girl um, who, who is going to be, you know, the, the, the subject of uh, these series of children's books that I want to write. I'm just super excited because I really want to, one, help parents have these pre-financial conversations. That's what I call them. Um, because I mean, at three and four, you're not, you know, teaching kids about money doesn't make sense, but there are some conversations you can have to lay the groundwork, like about community, about sharing, about giving, about selfishness. So I really want to start creating a series of books that help parents have those conversations with kids, but in a way that's age appropriate. Cause the preschool teacher in me is like, I know how to do that. And so, but I wanted a character that was going to be reflective of the audience that I wanted to reach. Well, bigger than that, I wanted a character that was going to be like, like, uh, like the Cosby's or Dora. Like when people think about Dora, they're just like, Oh, this is just a great cartoon for kids. And she happens to be Latina or this is a great family. And they happen to be black. And that's what I wanted. Like this little girl's Brown. She's got four C hair, super cute, but I didn't want that. I wanted anyone who read it to resonate for it to resonate with them. And, but she happens to be black, you know? And so, um, so that way it, it teaches these core lessons, but then there's also these secondary and like, you know, lessons about culture and about, you know, and so I'm just really excited because I finally got like, a, um, I finally approved the sketch of, of her and she's so adorable and cute. And it's exactly what I wanted. Cause sometimes when Brown characters are made, it's like all of the, all that, that, that comes along with like, sometimes brownness and blackness is a race or at least watered down, you know? And so I didn't want that. I wanted her to be like, no, she's black, you know? Although she, her family's going to be definitely mixed. So like she'll have her white aunts and her Latina uncle and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted her in particular to, to just be regular old black little cute little girl with her little chunky nose and her full lips and slightly, um, slightly big belly. <laughs> my, my team was like, I was like, I want her chunky because every little girl is not super skinny. Like let her look like a little girl. I had a little belly when I was 10. <laughs> I got a little belly now, darn it. <laughs> and so I'm excited because it looks like the, what I, where I wanted it to look. And I just, I feel good about it. I had a dream about her being on TV. Like I was watching her cartoon in my dream and I was like, Ooh, maybe that's the next step. Hey, Nickelodeon. Um, but yeah, so that's my win. My win is jazz. You are awesome. Thank you for bringing my dream to life without watering it down and making this beautiful little Brown girl. And who is, she's, um, her model is a uh, Supergirl. So I gave him pictures of Supergirl to say like, make her like this. And Supergirl has been great. And her mom had been helping. Like when stuff came back, they would both look at it and be like, Oh, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little taller, a little bit chunkier, a little bit, you know? So it's been awesome. Cause it's been like a family affair. So, you know, the new normal family where it's like stepmom, mom, um, mom, dad, daughter, you know? So. Yeah. Love yeah. it. I love kids books. And to have a book about, like we just gave our um, my husband's goddaughter a little personal finance book with like some 
we got her some stockpile gift cards. You know, that's like the you can give stock as a gift through a gift card now. Anyway, but I was like, man, let's find a good like money book for kids. And I just at my the bookstore we went to, there was nothing. So to have like a cute little book for kids about money, that's like the perfect gift. You go to a baby shower, like whatever. So I'm excited. Right. I'm excited too. Cause I'm just like, I just feel like, you know, how you just, when sometimes you're making a, a decision or a choice, you can feel like the shift, you know, I think everyone has like noted that, Ooh, this change is going to be a pivotal shift and it's going to create a, a pivotal shift in my life. And I feel like this is one of those things. It's like when I stopped teaching preschool, I knew like, okay, this is a pivotal shift. And for some reason, you know, and I've done other things before that have been awesome and great. But for some reason, this little girl, this little character, she's been like, it's been very clear to me that there's a shift, you know, happening with this character. So I'm excited to see like where this goes, because I just have a feeling about it like that. You know, my goal is for her to be the next door of the Explorer that like, you know, I was um, if you when you don't you don't have any kids, but you do you know Doc McStuffins? Oh, yeah, we've talked about Doc McStuffins. So I was getting Chinese food for my sister and I was in there and the the lady, um, I'm assuming she's Chinese. And so her daughter was sit, sitting at a table playing with her friend and the little, her daughter, who's obviously Chinese, had a little Doc McStuffins doll. And I was like, that's what I mean. That like, it's not like this little girl's like, I'm playing with the black doll. She's like, no, I'm playing with a doll from a show that I enjoy. And that's what I want. But it's teaching her this secondary kind of like, you know, that, oh, you know, that she's not even realizing that it's normalizing a little brown girl as a doctor and part of my life. You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting that kind of Dora the Explorer, Doc McSuffin's um, Cosby Show effect where, you know, that it, it normalizes that all people can be all things and, you know, that they can also be a part of your life. So, yeah, good things. So send me your good, good rays and good... Good. Um, if you have any vegan recipes, some simple ones too. You can send those too. Some vegan recipes? Yeah, I'm oh, just okay. telling them. That they can send them. If you have some simple, like some of y'all send me some vegan stuff. And I'm like, child, ain't nobody be in the kitchen for three hours cooking it up like that. Because it's only me. No one else is vegan in the house. So some simple, yummy vegan recipes that make me say, mmm. Like, you know, I, I like cooking, but I'm not like super chefaholic. So I like to keep it down to just a few steps. Got it. All right. Well, if you guys have any ideas for TIFF, you can go to brownambitionpodcast.com. You can send us a, a question at brownambitionpodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at the BA Podcast um, or on Facebook, Brown Ambition. And real quick, courtesy announcement of a change coming to the show beginning next Wednesday to celebrate our two-year anniversary. Um, one of the ways we're celebrating is to change up the publication of the show so we're no longer be airing on tuesday mornings you will tune into us on wednesday mornings um so uh prepare yourself yes i'm so glad you remember that i totally forgot yes wednesdays i like when it's hump day we can we can help you get over the hump day <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> many 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 hump day jokes in your future yeah, i was gonna say that. you're welcome like, in advance yeah <laughs> i was thinking that like oh i can't wait for these update jokes
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.